The Lakers sell the farm for Anthony Davis. We ask if this is a Laker-friendly trade, and what should this team look like for the 2019-2020 season? All that next on the Lakers Underground Podcast. Folks, thank you for tuning in. We have a jam-packed show for you today. Today, finally, after a months-long wait, we can finally see some of the light at the end of the tunnel. But is the light as bright as it could have been? Well, we're never going to know. First, I'd like to unapologetically ask that you subscribe to the podcast as this helps you receive our content as it's updated, but it also makes it easier for others to find. Being a newer podcast on the scene, we rely heavily on your influence to push the show along, and we certainly appreciate y'all being here. So if you're on YouTube, go ahead, subscribe, and click the bell to receive notifications. If you're on any other platform, please subscribe and then rate the podcast. Let us know how we're doing. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, Okay, so Adrian Wojnarowski has been saying for a while now that the Lakers had the right pieces to make a trade possible. The question for him was what the Lakers would actually give up to make it happen. If you've been living under a rock the last couple of days, the Lakers have traded for Anthony Davis. So uh, we know now the Lakers were willing to give up essentially everything except for Kyle Kuzma and LeBron James. So breaking down the trade Here's what happened. I'm going to break this down best I can. The Pelicans gave up Anthony Davis and nothing else. The Lakers gave up our rising star in Brandon Ingram. We gave up Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and of course, a number four draft pick, along with some of the draft picks. So here's what we know about the draft picks. And this is really the part where I'm not as happy. Everything I talked about before I kind of assumed. So a top eight protected 2021 pick. That one I'm, I'm more okay getting rid of. It's two years from now. I believe we're going to uh, we're gonna be, you know, in the 25 uh, to, to 30 range. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm more okay with that one. If we were in the top eight, we would obviously get that pick and then it becomes an unprotected pick in 2022. So um, not as heavy about that. But uh, the next would be an unprotected 2024 first-round pick. I'm not very happy about this one. 2024 is five years from now. That's five drafts from now. LeBron James likely has retired in 2024, 2023, somewhere along those lines. We don't, we don't know how good we're going to be. Anthony Davis, while a great player, there's no guarantee we're going to be a championship contending team at that point and having a higher draft pick. It's very possible we're a, you know, top 10 draft pick in that in that year. It's it's entirely possible that happens. So I'm not not as happy about this. And then also there's two other ones that I read about. I don't know if it's just one of these two or if it really is both, but uh anyways, this is what I what I read is there's a 2023 and a 2025 unprotected pick swap in there that swings to the Pelicans' favor. If you're not familiar with the pick swap, here's how that works. Let's take 2023. That is uh, four drafts from now, okay? So, or really, no, that's that's five drafts from now. So 2023, 
LeBron, again, he may be gone by that point, maybe even the year prior. We don't know how good we're going to be. So let's just say Pelicans, they have Zion Williamson, right? He's we, we, we all believe, I think there's a consensus, everybody believes he's going to be this great player, okay? Let's say the Pelicans are a championship contending team and they have 25 pick. Let's say Lakers are kind of struggling because we just got rid of LeBron, or excuse me, didn't get rid of him, but let's say LeBron retired and we have a you know top 10, maybe even a top five draft pick that we would severely need that gets given to the Pelicans and we take their championship contending pick. So that's how those pick swaps work. And these these are not in our favor. So that's being as those drafts are that far out, I'm not at all happy with this. This is very similar to, and I get it, Anthony Davis is 26 years old versus uh, Steve Nash, who was you know, 37, 38. I, I get it, but that that trade severely hurt us as well. So um, we kind of gave up the, the future for the now. It's understandable, and we're going to get into why that happened. And, of course, it happened, but it doesn't mean I have to, I have to like it necessarily. So, and, and really the reason why it stings is because there was virtually no competition. So, uh, there was Boston, but they weren't willing to part ways with their biggest asset. And Rob Palenka just gave up way too much. And here's the issue. We all knew it was going to happen. So, you know, we all knew from late January, the Lakers were willing to get Anthony Davis at all costs. And if we all knew it, that means the Pelicans knew it too. And, and they were able to use that to their advantage. And now we can affectionately refer to the Pelicans as Lakers South or South Laker land. I like that a little bit better. So because nearly half their team now are former Lakers. And oh, by the way, many of them are our top picks from the last few years. So thank you very much. Appreciate you, Rob Palenka. So how friendly of a trade was this to the Lakers? You know, obviously, I don't believe this was a very Laker-friendly trade. But again, we all knew that it wouldn't be. We knew the Lakers' management would overpay to bring another star to the purple and gold. The reason we knew this, of course, was because of rumors at the end of January. And also, you know, think about the perception aspect of this. So some people say that, you know, any news is good news, any publicity is good publicity, but how many Laker fans would agree with that sentiment over the past year? You know, how many of you would agree with that statement Given what we've experienced these past few months, you know, there's there's definitely, you know, such a thing as bad publicity, and, and we've been living with it day in and day out for the last six months at least. So given the turmoil this franchise has been in, given Magic's abrupt exit, the rumors of Palenka talking bad about him behind his back, I mean, all that stuff is in the media. There's no reason for it to be the the botched trade from this past season. You know, how about even further back with a feeling that, you know, I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I thought, Paul George is a lock. You know, we didn't we didn't trade for him. We thought, hey, let's just not trade for him. We'll keep all of our assets. And just add Paul George the next season. We all thought he was a lock to become a Laker. And then he re-signs with the Thunder. So all of those reasons and so many more are why the Lakers were going to overspend for Anthony Davis. They needed to bring him here because that's the only thing that could change what was happening with the franchise, in the media, in the public. So 
perhaps none more than this, that there's there's been this sense. And again, I've been a Laker fan my entire life. There's been this sense for the last few years, six years, eight years, whatever it's been, that no one wants to play for the Lakers. No one wants to come here of, you know, and we're talking of people of significance, right? Real significance. No one has chosen to be a Laker for a while now. You know, you might ask me, like, Mike, how can you say that? Because arguably, arguably, the best player in the world last summer decided to leave Cleveland, his home, to come to L.A. and be a Laker. Yet, we still, again, if you are bleeding purple and gold, these are the people, this is who I'm talking to. I'm talking to you. We feel it. We all feel it. I know you do. We still have this sense that no one wants to be here. How's it even possible? You know, let me repeat. The best player in the world decided on his own to become a Laker, yet we still feel this way. It doesn't make any sense. But I'm going to tell you how it's possible. Briefly, I'm going to tell you how it's possible. LeBron James, arguably the best player in the world last summer, decided to come to Los Angeles. He didn't become a Laker for Laker reasons last summer. And that's why we still have this gut feeling that no one was choosing to be a Laker. LeBron James became a Laker last summer. Yes. Not for Laker reasons, but for Hollywood. We can all feel it. We can tell. We can sense it. If you're a LeBron fan and you've just become a Lakers fan because of LeBron, you're not going to feel this and you're going to think I'm crazy. And I understand that. I get it. Because you've never had a team like we have with the Lakers. Never. Cleveland Cavaliers, if you've been a Cavs fan your entire life and LeBron comes and now you're a LeBron fan, you you don't get it. You still don't understand what it means to bleed purple and gold. And what, not only that, but what, when you have such success for how many years and then you have six seasons of not making the playoffs, we're not talking about Cleveland Browns. I get it, man. You guys are tortured. We're talking about like when you have something and then it's taken away from you. That's like that's a terrible feeling. And that's what we've been feeling for the past few years. Six years. Not making the playoffs. When you have something, you have it on the regular, and then you don't have it for a while. It hurts bad. So a team. If you're if you're LeBron and you're a LeBron fan, a team is just a means to glorify LeBron to you. And for Laker fans, again, those of us who bleed purple and gold, the team is everything. Yeah, we've had some amazing players in the past, you know, play for us. And those players, they're you know, guys like Kareem, Kobe, Shaq, Wilt, West. Those players are are immortalized. Not you know to us, not because of the name that's on the back of their jersey, but because of the name that's across the front of their jersey. But to the LeBron fan, the jersey's just a jersey. It don't matter whether it's a, a you know you're you're gonna buy the jersey no matter where that person plays, right? Whether it's Cavs, Maroon, Miami Black, or Laker Gold, it does not matter 
to you because LeBron is what's under it. That's what matters to you. It's not a a loyalty to the to to the team, to the city. It's a loyalty to a player. I can tell you <laughs> that every time I saw his face on the commercial for the million dollar mile and it was a lot, man. That commercial was on all the time. I can tell you, every time I saw his face in the commercial, I cringed. Because it, it reminded me every time of what really happened last summer. And I'm telling you, all of this and it, what happened last summer, again, he came here for Hollywood. He didn't come here to be per, purple and gold. He didn't come here to become purple and gold. He came here using that jersey and those colors as a means to an end, which is Hollywood. And I can tell, and I know if if you're a Laker, longtime Laker fan, I know you can tell too. But I'm telling you all this because it's all about why it was so important for the Lakers to bring Anthony Davis to Los Angeles this summer. It's all about why the Lakers were always going to overpay for him. Always. Didn't matter. They were going to give up nearly everything. Think about it. The trade that they inevitably said no to in January, February, which was really Dell Demps just kind of being like, oh, I'll just give me this, give me this, give me this, give me this. He wasn't serious, but in all actuality, we did exactly what Dell Demps wanted. Yeah, Dell Demps was fired, and Griffin came in, but Griffin basically got the same thing out of us, the same thing that we apparently rejected back in January, February. We didn't get any better deal as time went on, as though we actually should have. We weren't competing against anybody. Pelicans wanted to make a deal. You know they did. They were going to get, you know, he was going to walk at the end of the next season. You think they wanted that? Nope. They want to get something for him. And man, did they ever. Pelicans are going to be a real good team for a long time because of the Lakers. I made this uh, this comparison. I'm a, I'm a big Vikings fan, Minnesota Vikings fan, and I'm I'm going off the top of my brain here. So Herschel Walker, Cowboy, Vikings traded for him. Vikings gave up. I mean everything. We got our guy right. We got Herschel Walker back in the '90s. You know, greatest player in the NFL at that point. How many how many championships did the Cowboys win? How many Super Bowls did the Cowboys win in the nineties? Because the Vikings gave up so many of their their draft picks. You never know. That could happen with the Pelicans. Just saying. Anyways, so you know, it was so important to bring Anthony Davis to Los Angeles this summer. You know, we are gonna find out uh you know, if Anthony Davis wanted to become a Laker for Laker reasons, but I really, I have every right to believe that he does. You know, I, I think there's a sense that that he's wanted to be a Laker for, for a bit, you know, even before LeBron James joined purple and gold, there's, I think there's, there's been a, there's, there's also a sense that he's going to be a Laker for a while. So even though, yes, technically he could bolt after, uh, after this, this next season, which man, would that be a, uh, you know, a stab in the stab in the heart, but uh, there's, there's a, there's a big sense that he's actually going to stick around. So, I'm uh, I'm excited about that. So, next is you know what what should the Laker team look like next season? Well, I think we know 
what LeBron absolutely needs in order to win a championship. You know, the last season proved that a team of youngsters and playmakers and, and, and you know, goof goofy players is just not going to cut it with LeBron. We're not going to win a championship with that with that mold. So LeBron needs a few things, and we're going to outline them here. Number one, and we just addressed it, he needs a superstar. Check. We got that. Anthony Davis. Done. He may need another all-star caliber player, which we don't have quite yet, but there's a few names being floated around whom the Lakers have significant, who are reported to have significant interest in, and we will uh, outline them uh, Outline them. Uh, in the next uh, next little bit here. Now, LeBron also, he needs shooters. So not just one, but, but a few. I would add one more uh, element to this, and I believe needs to be, uh, to be kept in mind. We need guys who can at least play some decent defense. A, you know, one, at least one lockdown perimeter defender would be great. Anthony Davis down low is a really great defender, so I think we have that covered. So shooters are really, really important, but as LeBron ages, he isn't playing good defense, so we need a guy who can be a good perimeter defender to guard the likes of James Harden, Paul George. So now keep in mind, if we're able to get a third star, that also limits the quality of shooters that we can acquire because money will be tied up in three players. We're going to be very top-heavy at that point. So that model works... You know, it works well when everyone's healthy, but it's not ideal. Unless quality shooters want to come at a discount to play alongside LeBron and company in LA, you know, then 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 you get both. So, you know, if we're talking about that that third option player, so we have the third uh of the big three, you know, I've heard a lot of rumors around well, Kawhi, however, having two forwards already, I, I doubt that's gonna happen. So Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, Kemba Walker. So here's my take on all three of them. Kyrie Irving, we really don't need to spell out his game. We know he works. They 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 won a championship uh, together. Kyrie and LeBron did. So uh, he absolutely works now. Now that the Lakers got Anthony Davis, my question is, you know, do you think Kyrie would be okay being a third option? I highly doubt it, but LeBron seems to think so. So you know, maybe maybe it is possible. Maybe it's going to happen. We'll find out next is uh, Jimmy Butler. Now, I'll say this before we get to Jimmy. Kyrie, now that we have Anthony Davis alongside LeBron, Kyrie is my number one choice of, of who, to, who to get if we're going to go that route of having the third superstar. Otherwise, you know, we can spend the money on some some really good uh, first-tier shooter, uh, sharpshooters. So, uh, so, so Jimmy Butler. I don't hate uh, Jimmy Butler is an option. He's not my first choice, nor my second or third, probably. But he, you know, he's a. The pros of this is he's a, he's a perimeter player who can score. I can play some defense, so obviously that can take a lot of the, uh, the uh, the the pressure off of LeBron. The Lakers. Here's kind of where where I get into. He he becomes a problem for me. The Lakers are already overextended on Anthony Davis. We give up everything. So giving Butler too much money and, you know, if, if we gave him more than a couple of years, I think it would be a mistake. That's that's just my opinion. He has a lot of miles on his body from playing for Tom Thibodeau. He played for Tom Thibodeau, like, basically his whole entire career. He played for him at the Bulls in Chicago and also the Timberwolves in Minnesota. And 
my concern is how well he holds up past age 32. So he's like 29 right now, going to be 30 next year. To give like a little comparison, and I know this is from a while ago, but I can't quite remember the age, but I think it was around 31, 32 was when, I mean, really two guys that come to mind for me is Allen Iverson and then the other guy is Tracy McGrady, that both of them like severely dropped off after like that that 30, 31, 32 age range. And Allen Iverson, I mean, that guy played a ton of minutes. He was like 40, 42 minutes a night every single night. Tracy McGrady was right up there as well. So I don't I, I don't have in front of me the average minutes of Jimmy Butler, but I guarantee you under Tom Thibodeau, he was playing a lot of minutes. And with his style of play, which would be more so like Allen Iverson in the way not their games aren't the same, but they're just hard nosed players, like a like a Dwayne Wade. Like they just they leave it all out there. That that's tough. That's really, really tough. So that's my concern with him. So Kimball Walker, the next guy, and he he's a great talent, no doubt. And he would essentially be a Kyrie type player. So if Kyrie's not available, he doesn't want to come. Kimball Walker who I believe really actually re-signs in Charlotte. That's just my opinion. There's just a lot of money on the table that he'd be giving up, a lot of money. And he seems to fit Charlotte pretty well. And, I mean, he's been their, their number one guy for a while. So I see him staying. However, he is a name that's been floated around. But I think he's that Kyrie-type player. He could play alongside LeBron. I think it could work. But my, my downfall for Kemba is, you know, can he be a, a spot-up three-point shooter? Can he come off screen, shoot the three point? Kemba, you know, he's used to he's used to being the number one option, you know, having the ball in his hands. You know, I don't know how well he fits alongside LeBron in, in that respect, who undoubtedly will have the ball in his hands and not you know, LeBron's not somehow going to become a spot up shooter at age thirty five. So the question is, you know, could Kemba and LeBron create that Kyrie LeBron type game? So and uh we would just have to wait and wait and find out. So on the shooters. So again, if you go sign that third option, some of these names, you know, instantly drop off unless they're at that point in their career where they just want to win a championship and then they're going to retire. So my number one guy I'd love to see is JJ Reddick come to LA. Uh, I'd like to see him come the way like Ray Allen went to Miami, a little bit of discount. And nearing the end of the career, go and just play for a winning team. So JJ, you know, he's he's got to be nearing the end of his career. I don't know how many more years he can really go. You know, he's thirty four years old right now. He's still looking for a championship. I mean, I don't know the guy. Obviously, I think none of you do either. You know, maybe maybe we could get him at a discount to come play alongside LeBron and Anthony Davis, play for a winning team. If you know, if we did get that third the third big guy. Otherwise, if we don't, then we are going to have some money to, to throw out J.J. Redick. I don't think we'll pay $20 million, which $15, 20000000 is probably what he'll make some other team, but I could see us putting 10 to 12 at him. You know, you're going to get – you know, you're not going to get great defense uh, from Redick, but, you know, he, he can hold his own on the defensive end. He's not going to be a lockdown defender or anything like that, but uh, the big thing with him is, you know, he can carry he, – he can carry a load some nights with scoring and you know he can do that better than anybody else in this list of shooters and and while doing that stay pretty efficient too so 
that uh, you know that does not that should not go unnoticed and, and and unthought about. So again, I think he'd be kind of in the mold of Ray Allen. He'd fit perfectly alongside LeBron. That's JJ Redick. I think he's the number one guy in my opinion as far as shooters are concerned. Next would be Danny Green. I think he's got to be the number the number two guy as far as shooters go, perimeter shooters. You know, I'd really like us to take a look at him. You know, he just got another championship up in Toronto. Maybe he wants to stay. I don't know, but you know, he wasn't. He he didn't he didn't sign there on his own free will. He was sent there as a part of the package with Kawhi. So do you know if he loves it? Great. Maybe he resigns. But do we really know that he loves it way up north? You know, he played in San Antonio for a lot of years. Probably got used to that uh, that nice warm weather down there, right? <laughs> but but Danny Green, you know, he's an efficient three point shooter. You know, he can also play a little bit of defense, which is great. He's got a bigger body, which helps him out on that end of the court too. So. He's not, you know, he, he isn't used to the volume of J.J. Redick. But he can give you quality minutes. You know, just don't expect 15 a night from him. You know, look more for like 8 to 9 points. But J.J. Redick, I'll say Redick, you know, you could you could get 30 any night from that guy. Don't expect that from, from Green. And that's why I would put a, big, a bigger premium on Redick, even though Green actually has the better three-point, at least last season, has the better three-point shooting percentage. It's the it's the it's the volume, and that's where JJ Redick, even with a forty percent, I would take that because he can handle that load, versus Green, who can't handle load yet. He does shoot a higher percentage. Hopefully that makes sense. So Patrick Beverly, he's another name I'd really like to see in a Laker uniform. It's it, not as much for the shooting part, but more for the defense. But even with the shooting, he still shot above thirty nine percent from beyond the from beyond the arc last season. I will take it. <laughs> the guy is an absolute pest on the defensive end. And if we sign another star, I believe there's no chance of Beverly coming. Because I think he's going to ask for too much money. But on the occasion that we can get him, you know, I think I think he's one of the best on the market for our team. The guy is just a great defender. He'd be a point guard. We're, we're going to need a good point guard for this team. We don't need a great point guard. We don't need a guy who's going to get eight assists or anything like that. We have LeBron James. So, you know, if we go get Kyrie Irving again, there's no chance of Beverly coming. He's not He's not taking a mid-level exception, I don't think. I think the guy, he's worth He's worth more than that. So I could uh, I could next, you know, I could see us uh, see us getting, you know, an old, an old, uh, an old favorite. Trevor Ariza, I would love to see him come back to Lakers. You know, he could he could come off the bench. He could give you some starting minutes, but uh, he's a solid defender, and he could knock down some shots from three. You know, and at this stage in his career, I bet we could acquire him for a reasonable amount of money. And there were rumors of him being traded back to us uh, during the season uh, last year, so I wonder if he's open to the return. And Trevor Ariza, I'm I'm really open to him coming back. I think it would be a great asset to the team. He he's a good perimeter defender, like I said, and I think he would uh, he'd play off LeBron pretty well. Uh, we of course could could re-sign Reggie Bullock, you know, to take a guy that we had last year. You know, we we traded specifically for him because of his shooting. You know, he didn't play as well as we would have hoped for. If, you know, these last last uh, few months of the season there, but. In the past, he has shown some great results from beyond the arc. So I think that Reggie Bullock could be a name we look at, and who knows, maybe we get him at a little bit of a discount because 
you know, he really didn't play very well at the end of last season for us. So we will find out. The last two names that I'll bring up are uh, Wayne Ellington and Seth Curry. No, not Steph Curry, but Seth Curry, who, man, he shot 45% from deep last season. That would be awesome. The problem is, with, with Curry at least, I think he probably asked for too much money uh, for us to sign him and to be like a you know 8th to 10th player and coming off the bench. So I think Curry is a, a little bit of a long shot, but I really, uh, no pun intended, uh, but I, I'd really like to see him in a Laker uniform. I think he'd be a really great asset to us. He played really good minutes for Portland in the, in the, in the playoffs this season. Uh, so, so Ellington, I, I think that Ellington, I think it's highly likely that he becomes a Laker. I think he's a legitimate threat from, from three. And at this stage in, in his career, I think that we could get him for the veterans minimum. So he's not a guy that's going to give you 20, 25 minutes a night, but he's, he's a guy off the bench that could kind of give you a spark from the three point line and, uh, spread things out. So I could really see Wayne Ellington in a Laker uniform and I would uh, absolutely welcome that. So just to kind of recap, you know, we really need to address the perimeter shooting, uh, in my opinion, as our next priority. It's all, it, it's all well and good if we get a third star on the team. And by all means, I will take a Kyrie Irving any day of the week. I would take a Kawhi Leonard any day of the week. But LeBron and Anthony Davis need shooters to open up the floor for us uh, to be really successful. So, you know, a great, great example of a tough situation. <clears throat> Many of you probably saw this along with me was was watching the Warriors during the finals when Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson were out. Steph Curry has arguably the quickest release of any player that <laughs> I've ever seen. The guy gets open shots like like nobody's business. The dude struggled. He had a really hard time getting open. And, uh, you know, he was in many ways overshadowed by a guy that I'd never heard of before the playoffs, Fred Van, Van Vliet. And he was overshadowed by him during the finals. You know, and, and if you have a team uh, like them, so they were extremely top-heavy, and they they were not a deep team, and it showed. It absolutely showed. And that, that would I guess, would be my fear for the Lakers, especially as, as LeBron ages. Yeah, you get that third star, and you're thinking, okay, great, LeBron gets hurt. You still got two guys. I, I get it. I absolutely get it. But two of those guys go down, you're toast. There's absolutely nothing. We need the depth. So that's what Rob Polinka, the, the the problem that prop, uh, that Rob Polinka has in front of him. And again, getting Anthony Davis, we just got rid of one of the problems. So now he's just got to kind of put the other pieces together. So I'm really excited about the. About this summer, it's going to be great. Um, but uh, you know, if you've got a team of LeBron and AD with no shooters, teams could just clog up the lane, and uh, they have a great chance of winning winning the game. You force non-shooting players to shoot three pointers. That's usually a pretty good winning strategy, unless the team gets hot, which happens from time to time. But you know, if we're talking playoff seven game series, it's not going to happen every game. Look what uh, look how Toronto played against. Uh, played against the Bucks, they completely dismantled the Bucks. Nobody thought that Toronto. I shouldn't say nobody. A lot of people thought the Bucks were going to be the team 
in the finals and they thought they were going to beat the Warriors. And Toronto just turned the pressure up defensively. So, anyways, there's obviously a lot of excitement around the Lakers trading for Anthony Davis, as there should be. But there's more work to be done this summer to round up this team and mold it to not only a championship contending team, of which this the trade instantly created, but a championship winning team, of which we're accustomed to. Thank you all for joining us. Please subscribe and comment. Let us know your thoughts. And don't forget to find us on all the major social media sites. So long.